All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Network Podcast. I'm here in the UK uh, visiting my family over Christmas and New Year. So this episode, I'm going to be delivering this one on my own. Um, and I think Owen's going to do the same back in Australia as well. So you're going to get a double dose of these uh, solo casts. Um, and and this, this episode is going to be about you know, my lessons from 2022. Uh, for anybody that follows me on social media, I didn't really make a lot of noise about it on socials this year. I didn't really feel like I was in the mood to do it. I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone. It doesn't even make sense to me really, but I wasn't really in the mood to post. I think it was in the format that you see it in on social media like social media especially instagram let's just call it instagram um you see it's like a highlight reel and although there were too many amazing things that happened in 2022 there are also you know a lot of the lessons are pulled out from the dark times in life in a weird way you know sometimes i think a lot of the time not a lot is learned from the good times which is weird. You know, you'd think it'd be the other way around. You'd think life would, you know, deliver lessons in the good times. I think some of the good things that you do learn from the good times is there's a lot of confirmation moments, you know, when the, when the good things do happen to you. They're very confirmational moments. Um, but that's really like all I ever think I learned from that is like just confirmation that you're on the right track and, and things are all right. So without further ado, I'm going to get into my biggest lessons from 2022. Now, there are 20 lessons. Classic me. I, I can't do it in small doses. I have to, you know, completely empty the bucket. But some of them aren't going to be very long lessons. They'll just be a quick explanation of what that lesson was. But I found 20 things throughout 2022 that really helped to shape me throughout that year and the biggest pivotal moments for me and, and I think the biggest valuable moments for you guys I think in any of these moments um, there's always value to pass on to other people so um, yeah look sit back and relax get a notepad out if you want to and uh, yeah let's get into some of these lessons of 2022. So before I get into anything I just want to say this list isn't in any particular order. I put this list together throughout uh, December. So there were a couple of different times where I put this list together. Um, so they're not in a particular order. So if it seems confusing as I'm going through it, that's okay. And some of them might cross over each other. Um, but that's the nature of this. So I'm just going off, off the bat and, and seeing what happens. Okay, so point number one, and this is something I learned later in the year, and I think it was what, probably one of the most profound things that's helped me really in the last, I would say, five years. And I've heard this lesson in different ways, but it's funny how something hits you when you hear it in a certain way, and... There's two parts to this lesson that, you know, what, what I had written down was, you know, it's not your responsibility to save anybody. It's not your responsibility. 
All you can do is show up as your healed self. And if you are who you say you are, show up as that person. Now, it's, it's a profound statement in itself, but the first half um, was from a guy called Eben Britton, and he's an ex-NFL player, and I've been listening to his podcast over the last six months. Uh, it's called Eben Flow, and it's a fantastic podcast. And, you know, he's out of the NFL now uh, in America, a professional American football player for like 11 or 12 years or something. And now he's spending time finding himself. Um, and that line just hit me really hard because... You know, I journaled about this the other day and, and, you know, how I'm feeling like a lightness about me these days and, and a freeness in the mind. And I think it's because I've freed up that idea that I have to save people. Um, you know, in psychology, they talk about how addictive becoming the savior is, like the savior archetype. Um, and I freed that up in myself and that line really helped me to do that. It was like, it's just not your responsibility. How other people experience this world isn't your responsibility. And that's just the end of that story. And then the second half of that line um, was from, again, our, our good friend and uh, a mentor in many ways, uh, Melissa Maskey. There was something that she said to me, you know, show up as your healed self but you have to show up as your healed self because if you are who you say you are, if you are healed, then you need to show up as that person. And, and that really struck. And I think that goes with that statement really, really well. It's like, all you can do is show up as your healed self and, and hope that energetically that passes on to other people. And it will because everything is energy in this world. Um, but, you know, if you are that person, you have to show up as that person. So I love that, you know. It's not your responsibility to save anyone. It's really not. It's exhausting. And for, mo for the most part, it's, it's a very disappointing time because uh, a lot of people will find the help and ask for the help when they need it. Um, and not when, you know, we abruptly step in and say, oh, I can see you're in pain. I want to help you because um, that's not considered feedback. You know, it's something we talk about at Area Academy is considered feedback, actually asking if somebody would like help or feedback or some advice before you actually give it. Um, and that's a really great tip for anyone in life who's struggling with people around them who aren't learning from their mistakes or getting out of their own way or just moving in circles of pity. Um, yeah always consider that feedback. And look, it's just not your responsibility to save anybody. So free yourself of that thought, because it's freed me massively. Okay, lesson number two, again, is from our good friend, Melissa Maskey. Uh, working with her this year on the Enneagram and personality types was absolutely huge. Um, and one of the biggest things that I really like from her work is she helps you to understand your primary fears, um, which, you know, is, is massive when it comes to understanding who you actually are. Uh, and one of my, or a few of my fears are, you know, not fitting in, not having a place to fit in in the world, uh, and not having enough. 
and that's in terms of like not having enough money, not having enough material possessions. Uh, that's a big fear, uh, an underlying fear of all the decisions that I've made in my life. Now, that those haven't always been conscious decisions that can sometimes just fly under the radar as an unconscious thing, unconscious fear, part of my personality that makes up a lot of the decisions that I've made in life. So becoming aware of that has really, really helped me. Um, in making clearer decisions and not just deciding things out of fear because, you know, sometimes it doesn't always lead you to a really helpful place in life. You find yourself just running in the same circles. So, yeah, for me, understanding my primary fears in life, um, my unconscious fears, bringing them to the conscious has been massive for me and it's allowed me to work on areas of myself that I wasn't even aware of in the past and it's brought light to those things again that, that I wasn't really aware of and lesson number three is closely linked to lesson number two again uh, Melissa Maskey taught us about our primary passions so some, something about the work that she does is she'll teach you about your fears and then about your passions as well what drives you and you know for me surprise surprise my one of my primary uh, passions is knowledge uh, and then some that come after that is money and material things um, now I didn't like hearing that when I heard it and it, it, it struck me a little bit funny because I was like, mm, I don't like my passions being money and material. But once, once you understand and once I understood my fears, it made a lot of sense. Um, and what Melissa goes on to explain and teach through her teachings is, you know, you don't have to act through passion. Now, I feel like in the Western world, we're taught so much that, you know, you have to be passionate about something, follow your passions. And from what I learned about me, you know, I don't like what my passions are, my primary passions. Uh, I like the knowledge part, but I don't like the money and material part. And, and again, if you're just acting through passion, you might not be making the world a better place and you might not be making your world a better place for you. Um, and that was massive for me. So what she helps you understand is instead of acting from a place of passion, it's acting from a place of virtue. And that takes me on to, you know, point number four is, you know, what does your healed self look like? And how does that transpire into you moving and acting from a place of virtue? Now, for me, that looks like um, moving and acting through a place of detachment. Now, that was a really beautiful moment for me because even before I met Melissa, um, I was moving from a place of detachment, you know. I, but for me, I think I went to a bit of an extreme level and maybe I needed to to really get the lessons and the learnings and rebuild myself again, I went to the extreme level of detachment. You know, I didn't care about um, material possessions. I became an absolute minimalist. Um, I didn't care about fashion anymore. I just wore, you know, plain black clothes. I didn't really subscribe to any kind of fashion sense. Um, I grew my hair out, which, you know, was part 
I'd, at the time, I didn't really think it was detachment, but now I look at it, it really was detachment from image and ego self. Um, yeah, and, and really just detach from any kind of identity with what what I saw as material or money or anything like that. And, you know, I went to the absolute extreme of like almost losing myself in that detachment, which I thought was a good thing. Um, and I still think was a good thing. Um, and then when I met Melissa, it, it really helped to nudge me back more to a middle path of like, you know, you can't get, don't get lost in that. You still have to operate in this world. Um, but that is the healed me, the, the, the kind of, I don't know, the most valuable and I guess my favorite version of me is Lee from a detached perspective. So I'm not attached to material possessions, to monetary possessions. I understand that deep, 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 deep down somewhere in my personality that one of my driving fears is not having enough. So as long as I have enough to get by and I have enough to provide for the, my loved ones and the people around me, and, and the things that I want to do and the businesses that I'm in, then that's fantastic. I think if, if I start to run off and start to use money as a passion and material as a passion, well, I've already seen how that transpires in my life. I get extremely competitive. If I look at if anything that I've ever done in my life, I've had to do it to the highest level. And you know, once upon a time I thought, oh yeah, that's because I'm just interested in doing things to a high level. Um, I like technique, which I do, you know, in hair, in any sports that I do, I really pay attention to technique. Um, but what I've really learned is that it comes from a place of fear. And the fear is not being enough, not having a place to fit in. Um, and basically just not having enough of anything. And, and that's a fear. And that's what has driven a lot of my perfectionism, a lot of my competitiveness. Um, and a lot of the things that I've done in my life, that's been an unconscious underlying energy in my life. And last year, I made massive strides in understanding it. I feel like the last three years, I shifted it, but it was uncontrolled shifting. I was going to an extreme level of detachment um, where I think this happens to a lot of people when you're going through almost like a rebirth phase in your life is like, you almost get to a point of like, what's the point in anything? I was detaching from almost everything. And it was like, what's the point in anything? Um, and that's a weird place to be as well. So yeah, that, that learning and lesson from uh, Melissa about how to work and move through, from virtue was unbelievable. And moving through a place of detachment as virtue is awesome. Like, I just let go of so many ideas and ideals and, you know, um, I'm not worried about doing competitions anymore. I'm happy to let those go before me, you know, whereas I wasn't in the past, I had to be the best and I wanted to be the one. And that came from fear. So again, that's added so much lightness and freeness to you know, how I am and who I am now. Uh, in this in this new year and this new phase and this new season of life. So yeah, really, really grateful for those lessons. 
Okay, so lesson number five, uh, the importance of a safe space, what that even is and how to hold space. Um, you know, I think in the past, I have rarely felt safe anywhere, really, if I really think about it. That's not, not physically. Um, I think it's more, not I think, it's definitely emotional, emotional safety. I don't think I felt emotionally safe in many places in my life. Um, and I learned this through the Kerwin Ray, Kerwin Ray space, uh, a bit of a tongue twister, the Kerwin Ray space that we've been hanging out in this year. Um, it's funny, I was saying to Owen, like after one of the workshops that we went to, I was like, wow, like, how sad is it that it's, it's taken me like, it took me like 30 years to find uh, a safe space. And it's funny, it came from a bunch of men. <laughs> a bunch of men crying and sobbing and really showing their emotions. But the biggest one, the biggest thing that I now know is a safe space, is a place free of judgment. And that is what I haven't found much in my life and that's not a dig that's not a judgment that's not anything that's purely just an observation if i look back as to why i haven't been emotionally available or i haven't really been able to dig through some certain things or certain relationships have failed or whatever friendships or people that i know or things haven't gone quite right it's because i haven't felt emotionally safe now that's going to exist on a scale for some people some people pr might not need to feel that amount of safety and some people might need to feel a massive amount of safety but what i've learned for myself is um again this is just an observation this is not a judgment um from younger years whether that was around family, whether that was around uh, being at school, whether that was around friends, there was judgment around emotion. Now, that's not to blame anybody. That is generational for the most part. Um, you know, men in working class England were judged if they sh showed emotion. Now, I'm so fortunate that I've noticed that early in life um, and now what I spent most of you know 2022 doing is shifting that feeling of judgment and feeling whatever came up for me when I felt judged um, and just shifting that and it's really added so again so much freedom and lightness to my life um, and finding that space has helped me lift that on myself, which has then allowed me to lift that on other people. So what I didn't realize, and this is not an easy thing to talk about, but what I didn't realize prior to the last probably two years is that I carried a lot of judgment with me because I judge myself from the frameworks that I know from childhood around emotion. So yeah, I, I had to find a safe space and thank God I found it. 
at this point in my life um, because now I can move on through my life uh, a lot lighter and a lot freer without that judgment. Um, and if I, it's amazing to witness myself and have the awareness around myself um, when I'm in situations and scenarios where I feel like there's judgment coming on. I'm just aware of it now and I just don't let it affect me. The, the energetic bubble goes up, the guard goes up, and uh, yeah, I can just protect myself against it and not let it affect me because I now understand where it comes from. A lot of it's generational and people weren't allowed, they were judged and they weren't allowed to show emotion. And so then they judged on anybody who showed emotion and it's just passed down generational. It's, it's not a dig or a judgment or a, a blame on anyone. It's just an observation of what's happened. And yeah, I think one of the really cool things about that now is I can stop that in its tracks for me and my loved ones and, you know, whoever comes after me, you know, if I have kids eventually and a family, um, even at the academy, you know, all the students and people that we mentor and people that we coach, you know, they're like family. They're essentially like <laughs> my children, um, in a sense, you know, I, I have, uh, they, they look up to me in, in terms of advice and emotional stability and how to get through life. And I can approach them in a, in a really safe way and give them a totally safe environment to be who they are, who they need to be and validate every single emotion. And we can work through it and we can move forward and build stronger, healthier, more uh, emotionally resilient and flexible human beings. All right, moving on to point number six. This is closely related to the safe space. Um, it's learning how to listen. And I think I might just leave it with this line. Peter Crone puts it beautifully. If you haven't heard of Peter Crone, I highly recommend you go and uh, check him out because his work is incredible. They call him the mind architect. They say it's like meeting Einstein and Buddha put together in the same person because his articulation and his ideas are absolutely incredible. And he says, you know, true listening happens in the absence of the you that is trying to survive. Now, just think about that one for the minute. True listening happens in the absence of the you that's trying to survive. Most people in communication listen to respond or react. They don't truly hear the person and meet them where they're at. And I feel like that is one of the big key points to creating a safe space as well, is being able to listen. And it's worked massively on me and I think that's why I resonate with it so much is because when it's happened to me wow do you feel seen and heard and acknowledged and loved essentially um, so yeah I, I think that's all I really need to say there is like learning really learning how to listen it has been amazing and 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 the last the last point in that line there you know in the absence of the you that's trying to survive humans are hardwired to survive and a lot of our survival comes from our fear and if you can conquer your fear 
uh, or conquer your underlying fears or understand your underlying fears. Um, that will definitely help you to be a better listener. And in turn, you will hold safer spaces for everybody that you come into contact with. So, yeah, learn to listen. All right, point number seven. So something that, uh, I learned well, it was probably before 2022, but implemented massively in 2022, thanks to, uh, you know, the support of Owen, uh, my business partner, as you all know, we're, uh, the co-host of this podcast and, uh, you know, basically the guy that I is my soundboard. He, he gets to put up with <laughs> all of my ideas and uh, all the crazy stuff that's going on in my mind. Uh, we've really implemented this year the power of planning and the power of goal setting. Um, and I just want to set this one up with that great quote of like, you know, an idea without a plan is just a dream. And that couldn't be more true. And I think at this point in the year, that's a really big thing to think about is like, you know, it's the beginning of the year, everybody's probably got their New Year's resolutions and, and they're just, they're really a bunch of ideas. Um, a lot of people say, oh no, they're goals. It's like, well, they're not really goals unless they have a plan. Because um, a goal without a plan, again, it's just a dream and a dream, I mean, it's just floating around anywhere. You could just, it's like throwing spaghetti on the wall and hoping it will stick. Yeah, put putting uh, a plan to these goals is, uh, is paramount really and you know what what I've experienced and what you know Owen and I've both experienced is when we applied this to our own life and then applied it to the people that we teach the people that we coach the people that we mentor you know their growth and for lack of a better word like the, our success just took off like astronomically um, because you can calculate these things and, uh, you know, one of the things we talk about with goal setting is making our goals smart goals. Um, now, if you don't know what smart goals are, I would highly recommend looking on Google. Um, just type in smart goals. Even before I learned this smart goal system, um, I would always say to Owen, if you're going to give me something to do like just generally if anybody's ever going to give me something to do i work so much better with time frame um if i know that that's got to be done by a particular day i'll get it done if it's open-ended well chances are i might not get it done because we've all got to do lists life is busy and i'll just do the other things in between that i need to do whereas this this idea and this goal floating around with no time frame um and yeah, it just never get done. And uh, you'll be amazed if you put those things into practice with your goals, you'll be absolutely amazed at how many goals you can actually get done throughout the year. And you'll get to the end of the year and go, whoa, like I have achieved way more than I ever imagined this year. You'll just start chunking them off the list, like smash them out. And, and that's what happened. So that was a massive, massive uh, learning for uh, 2022. And 
look out 2023 because uh yeah those goals are gonna keep getting kicked and people are gonna look at you and don't you worry we get it where people say oh it's all right for you guys ah oh, it just must be a bit of luck or, or whatever a lot of people think your successes and your uh you know your growth comes by chance comes by luck well it's actually not it's actually very calculated uh at this point in time it's very calculated and it's amazing what we see happen um, purely through the power of planning and uh, smart goal setting. All right, point number eight. Um, this was something that I learned in the middle of the year when we were on our UK leg of the Fame Team uh, Mentor Week. So it was a UK week um, by a guy called Fotis. Uh, he is a hairdresser in Camden in London at a salon called Butcher's Salon. And this guy absolutely blew my mind. I think it was one of the first people I've ever met who thinks very similarly to me. Now, I'm not trying to claim I'm like a genius or I know a bunch of stuff. It's not that. It's about the, just the way he thinks about things and the kind of energy he carries around what he thinks about uh, was very, very similar to me. And, you know, we, we did a session on our why behind what we did. And, you know, he spoke a lot about Simon Sinek's work and I love Simon Sinek's work. It's what we we uh, pull on a lot of that for stuff, a lot of stuff we do at the Academy. And I was like, wow, this, yep, this is all the proof that I need. This guy really knows what he's talking about. Um, and, you know, we, we got to talk about some of our issues and things. Uh, what I didn't mention is Fotis actually has a degree in psychology as well. Um, so he understands the human mind quite well. And, and, and that makes for an interesting dynamic then in the hairdressing world. He just understands people a lot and offers this training um, to hair professionals. And, you know, part of the session was digging through some of our quarrels and issues that we see in the hair industry. And uh, I can't really remember what it was, I think it was something around people's like self-esteem and the pain that I see in people. And he just sat there, and I, I, as I do, I'm very information uh, dense and I probably spoke for about 10 minutes straight and he just sat back and I could see him slowly sitting back, sitting back, just, yep. And he just said, wow, Lee, uh, you remind me of me a couple of years ago. And he says, I'm gonna give you a piece of advice here that might change your life he said it's important to think about these topics it's important to think about and research and learn about deep topics he said because stats show that 70 percent of people do not think about these things they've shown it in psychology they've shown it in spirituality they've shown it in just ideas in general most people, like 70%, I say that as most people, do not think deeply about topics or life. And he says it takes people like you and it takes people like me to push ideas like this. So there's only really 30% of people that actually think this way. He said, but the caveat is, do not let it consume you. He was like, because it will take over your life and it will destroy you. And uh, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And it's what I needed to hear. It was the exact thing I needed to hear at the exact moment. Because um, I spent the first half of 2022 just going deep on like some topics and really digging and digging and digging and digging. And 
you know, he, he said it, and, and much like I said at the uh, one of the earlier points in this video is, you know, you can get to a point of thinking like, what's the point in anything? And he, he brought it up as well. He says, you know, philosophers, there's like some philosophers that get to that point where they go so deep on topics and they understand things to such a degree that they think, well, what's the point in anything? And so that really pulled me out of it. And I've really carried that with me. And it's, again, added a lightness and a freeness to the way that I think. It's important to think about these things. It really is important because 70% of people do not even entertain it. And I understand why people don't entertain it. Because um, it's heavy and it's painful and it's hard. Hard to think about these things. And, you know, it takes sadistic people like me to uh, be able to want to think about things to such a degree. Because, you know, you do learn things about yourself and about people around you and just things about the world that are not very nice. And it's painful to think about those things. But, uh, yeah, it's important. But don't let it consume you. Point number nine. We're almost halfway through. Um, the power of showing up, you know, and there's a line that I wrote down, fortune favors the bold and the brave. That's really it. That one sums itself up. Just show up. You know, I think that there's power in saying yes. Say yes to as much. If, if, if you're early on in your career and you want to network and you want to make new connections and you want to meet people and you want things to happen for you in your career and in your life, say yes, show up, get comfortable being uncomfortable, just do stuff um, because you will be amazed at the amount of people not doing stuff. There's so many people that let imposter syndrome, that let fear, that let anxiety get the better of them and, and it cripples them from getting out of their own way. Um, and those are the people that things either never happen to or they happen very, very, very slowly. So what I've learned, and, and this isn't necessarily a 2022 lesson in itself. I've known this for probably the last 10 years of my life. I've been practicing it, but I really practiced it even more in 2022, especially being in the fame team, just getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, putting yourself in those scenarios. Um, and I think what that relates to is exposure therapy. Like a lot of people ask me, Lee, how do you do it? Especially now that the new fame team guys are going to be selected in a couple of months. I'm getting a lot of people asking me, you know, how did you do what you did? And, you know, you seem so calm and grounded and, and collected. And I think a lot of it was ex is exposure therapy, just putting yourself out there and just saying yes and just showing up, show up. And another part of showing up is what it actually does is showing up is a leadership quality um, because leadership comes with responsibility and with responsibility comes visibility and showing up is a form of visibility. And the reason a lot of people are afraid to show up is because they're afraid to be visible. Now, one of the ways to get around the fear of being visible is to Go deep on what your purpose and mission and values are in your life and virtue. 
and just move through that. And nobody can judge you for that because it really is coming from heart space. It's coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of compassion. It's coming from a place of positive moral compass. And you can rarely go wrong. And you, I trust it so much these days. I just trust that that will get me through. And it will because it has to. It absolutely has to. Um, so, yeah, back to the showing up piece. There's, there's a lot of responsibility in how you show up as well. You know, there's visibility. But then with visibility comes responsibility. And I, I say this to students at the academy and I say it to uh, people that I mentor and people that I coach is, you know, in every moment in life, you have a responsibility in how you show up. Um, and that is something that I carry with myself everywhere. If I don't show up as the healed me, if I don't show up acting from a place of virtue, if I don't show up through my purpose, my values and my mission, how can I expect anybody else to? And how can I expect to make my environment a better place, which will make my immediate environment a better place, which will then make the outer rings of that better and better and the city might get better the country might get better the world might get better how can i ever expect that to happen if i don't take responsibility in how i show up so that might be one of the more profound things that i'll say in this podcast because that's essentially what a lot of these lessons are and what a lot of the things that i strive for in life is to how can I be more comfortable in the visibility and the responsibility that I take when I show up in every single moment in my life, even when I'm on my own? How do I show up for myself when the doors are closed? Nobody's looking, nobody's listening, nobody's watching. How do I show up for me first? That then transpires into how I show up for the people around me. And then energetically, that rubs off onto them. And then that makes a difference in how they show up for the people in their lives. And I think that makes the world a better place. All right, point number 10. I think it's point number 10. I might, I might be losing track. Um, uh, trusting my instincts. So I had, I had this point written down, trusting my instincts. Um, a big lesson that I learned in... 2022 was to trust my instincts and you know you would have heard it and trust your gut and all this kind of stuff and I think as humans you know we we override trusting our gut quite a lot I mean I definitely have um I might have thought it was big-headed or I don't want to trod on anyone's toes or I don't want to make anybody feel bad um again that's just a fear much like I said earlier it's not my responsibility to save anybody it's not we're all grown-ups. We all, you know, how we experience the world is our responsibility. It's not up to anybody else how that happens. Um, so that's probably been a big fear of mine in the past. So yeah, trusting my instincts. Trusting my instincts um, in, you know, first impressions, uh, a feeling about something, a feeling about a project, a feeling about something that I'm doing, something where I'm going. Because oftentimes you know, your instincts are right and, and listening to your body and having the awareness around what your body is telling you is really, really powerful. Now, there's a distinction 
I think if if your what your gut is telling you is purely out of fear, then that's something you may have to address because sometimes your fears aren't accurate. They might just be insecurities or inadequacies or trauma patterns. They might be things that happened to you when you were a kid that aren't necessarily going to happen now. Um, but if you have awareness, again, this is why you know, reflection and self-discovery and self-development is so important is because you can develop so much awareness around where your fears come from and that then allows you to listen to your instincts and trust them in a more calculated way. All right, we're over the fence. Point number 11, finding your herd and go and find it. So I had this point written down and again, this was something that I learned and experienced and really, really loved from the Kerwin Ray space is finding your herd. And what they taught me was the lessons and the truth around environment. So, you know, and, and culture, you know, envi environment is everything. Um, you know, uh, bad environment will corrupt good character and even good culture. Um, it's very hard to develop good culture with a bad environment. And this relates to a period of life for me where I probably felt stuck in the environments that I was in. And I'm not, this isn't looking for pity. This is just very interesting to me how it took me so long to work this out because it's a lesson that I had never heard and I'd never been taught. And again, that's not pity, that's just an observation. It just took me a better part of 30 years to learn this. Um, is if you're not ha happy in your environment and in terms of like the people that you're around, at a certain point, you cannot expect that to change. If it's not changing, you have to change it. And I'd never really been taught that. I'd heard of like friend, you know, circle like audits and things. You know, I, I remember listening to Dan Pena back in the day. You know, you're the, you're the sum total of the five people that you hang around with. He's got that line. He's like, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, um, which is really true. But I never really had any actionable steps around that. I didn't know it was okay to audit that and go, okay, uh, if I get rid of the five people around me, I'm not saying that that's what I did, but if I did that, that you can be quite lonely. Um, and if I relate back to my fears, one of my fears is being not fitting in in the world. So if I don't have people that I fit in with, or have value to or for, then I'm gonna feel a bit down and lonely and what's the point in me being in this world? So what I learned from the Kerwin Ray space is, okay, you can't sit in that circle of pity. You can't wallow in that. It's not good enough to wallow in that. For, the first step is to audit your environment, audit your circle. And then if you don't like what you find, go and find a new one. And I've practiced that so much this year and it is, it's amazing. I can't really explain enough the power of 
finding your herd. And this might exist in different forms. You know, I've got different people in different places that I consider to be part of my herd. And those people help me to realize my worth, my value. And that keeps me on point, that keeps me on purpose, and it keeps me working through a place of virtue, which I believe allows me to make my immediate environment better, and hopefully that'll make the world a better place. So auditing your environment, finding your herd, and if you don't like what you see, go and find your herd. Okay, point number 12. So for this point, I wrote down the power of putting a purpose and a mission to your life and career. You know, purpose was something that I really struggled with, especially in my personal life, um, because I believe, and I, I may need to expand on this more as the years go on and I, I discover myself and I talk to more people about this, but I think purpose is a really, really, really difficult one to discover for your personal life because I don't think, or I haven't really heard a great explanation of the purpose of why we're even here. It's like the golden question, right? Like what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? Like, I don't think we really know. Um, I think instinctually we probably do know but we choose to ignore it or we like to think that it's something else. Um, you know, all that really is obvious to me as, as a human is to survive and to connect and to eat, drink, go to the toilet, procreate. And I think if the body and the mind had its way, it would just make you follow its pleasure centers. You would be very Epicurean. I think naturally, I think naturally, the body is stoic in nature. It's very resilient, but it gets you to do what it wants at a gene level, like the great biologist Richard Dawkins says. I think the body gets you, the body and the mind, and the genes get you to do things that it wants you to do through an Epicurean way, um, which is to follow the pleasures in life. Because what else is there? Anything on top of that, I think we're making it up, which is absolutely fine. And that's why I think I find it so hard to put a purpose to my personal life. And that might explain why, you know, we're in a world that we're in now. Everybody has a job and everybody has something to do. Um, because outside of survival, if that really is a purpose of a human, the, the, the survival of the fittest, as, as Dawkins kind of talks about, at a, at a gene level, he believes that genes, that's what they want to do is pass on the strongest genes and they do that through us and the way that we're stoic in nature, we're very resilient and we can survive and the way that they get us to do it is through an Epicurean nature to follow our pleasures. That's why we have reward and pleasure centers. Outside of that, what is our purpose on a personal level? Because in this modern day, 
we have taken all of the struggle and the difficultness out of survival. Um, we've made it very efficient and we're in, we're in a world of ease and efficiency in terms of a survival standpoint. You know, our food is farmed for us. We have hot and cold water, whenever clean water, whenever we want it. We have heating on demand. Uh, we have shelter. Most, most people have shelter. I know there are some unfortunate people that don't have shelter. Um, and, you know, we have clothes. We wear, we wear clothes. Like a lot of what we do, we have amazing technology. We have you know, a modern health system that is incredible at combating acute illness, disease and accident. Um, so, you know, outside of that, what is our personal purpose? Um, so that was really, really hard for me there for, for a long, long time. And in 2022, I think I finally understood it more. Um, and you know, it started through putting purpose into our business um, through Area Academy, and that is to build and inspire lives through hair. Um, and for me, you know, I think I would even just take the through hair thing off and, and my, a personal, um, my personal purpose is to build and inspire lives, you know, through love and compassion and connection. Um, and just to discover myself and develop myself. So I, again, I can make my immediate environment better. That will make the outer ring a bit better and that will make the world a better place. And me just keeping my corner clean. Um, and that was really it. So, but, but when I, but when I got to that place and when, if, if you go through this, um, place of finding a purpose, uh, or an mission for your life, um, it becomes so much easier to plan and set goals and create a path for your life and, and just find out where you're going. It becomes very crystal clear. And, and this, I believe for me, it reduces anxiety, it reduces depression, it reduces um, you know, analysis paralysis, and it gives you direction in life. And it allows you to monitor that and really put together your compass you know where is your moral compass and it, it allows you to dictate that so really you know finding or trying to put a purpose to your life and a mission and a set of values um will completely change the game it will keep you on point on purpose on time always this next point is do the things that bring you joy and don't forget to have fun now when I learned that one, it, it, it just smacked me in the face. Uh, you know, I learned it in 2021 and that was one of my resolutions for 2022. And I practiced it all through 2022. And, you know, I think if anybody follows me on social media, you know, it was apparent that I was definitely trying to have more fun than I normally do because I can be quite a serious person. Again, my mind favors information. And then when you get into information, it's, they're just a lot of times it's serious topics. Uh, and I don't mind being that person, but... You know, for me, I found that I was neglecting a bit of fun and, you know, why, why, why do the things that we do if we're not going to have fun with them and enjoy them? 
Yeah, a lady called Sharon from the Karen Ray space um, facilitated uh, a kind of growth strategy session for us at Area Academy. And uh, it was one of the, she absolutely grilled us for the day. She put us through the absolute ringer, turned our business inside out. And it was, it was quite a grueling day, emotionally, uh, mentally. We had a lot of thinking going on. We used a lot of energy thinking. And uh, it was one of the last things she said in the day. And I think it probably was the most profound thing she said for the day. And she said that, she said, remember guys, do the things that bring you joy. And I was like, that is just, yeah, you're right. I need to do more things that bring me joy. And what that led to, and kind of I took that on my own thing is, don't forget to have fun, essentially. Um, schedule fun time. And fun is what, you know, it's not, I don't know, jumping with joy and do whatever anyone else thinks that is fun to them because we're all unique right and what's fun to me might be different to you and what's fun to you might be different to the next person that's fine but find what you think is fun and don't forget to incorporate that into your weekly structure bi-weekly structure monthly structure just make sure that you're definitely having some fun and one of the other things that i've been playing around with um, and that some people find tricky with scheduling time for fun or doing things that bring them joy is that it can still be quite structured. And for me, what I found really uh, beneficial was planning, giving myself unstructured time. Um, now, unstructured time is different to planning fun because it's still structured you're like right i'm gonna go play golf at 12 p.m and i'm gonna do it for two hours and i'm gonna hit 18 holes and blah 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 it's very still very structured unstructured time for me has been almost even better than planning a fun activity because i find i have more fun because i wake up it's usually on a sunday um, and between the hours of like 10 and like four, let's say it's unstructured time. Um, and whatever happens, happens. If I want to get up and just sit straight back down again, that's what I do. Yeah, but if I want to get up and go out on my rollerblades, that's what I do. If I want to get up and I want to research something, that's what I'll do. If I want to get up and watch YouTube for four hours straight, whatever it is, if I just want to go outside to sit in the grass for like two hours that's what i do and that giving yourself unstructured time is so good for the brain because not only is it very freeing but it gives you time to think it gives you time to like all these ideas just come into your head and i think that's one of the lost arts of the modern day uh is allowing ourselves and giving ourselves time to think and really just let ideas come to us because you know, technology was meant to give us more of that time, but as humans, we, we didn't do that. We filled every waking, living, breathing moment, second, with something to do. And uh, I feel like that is one of the issues of our time is that we don't give ourselves time to think and come up with new ideas, and that could slow us down um, in progressing as humans and just creating a better world for ourselves. This next point is very closely related to having fun. Um, it's the power of rest and recovery. Now, again, I learned this from the Kerwin Ray space. Uh, 
they do like these funny audits on you and you know, they're, they're, it was saying, it was sort of the long lines of, you know, what what's your week looking like? You know, it, it was at the point where Owen and I were talking into a lot about like burnout and, uh, you know, working at the kind of upper ends of our capacity in terms of like work that we take on, things that we think about and emotional load and all those things. And uh, they, there was one guy there, I can't actually remember his name, but he, he said to me, you really struggle with taking some time off, don't you? you really struggle with resting, don't you? And I was like, oh, shit, like, yeah, I, I actually do, like, because I feel guilty uh, for doing that, you know? Again, because that was playing into a fear of mine or a bias that I had that I had to save people. And if I wasn't trying to help people and work stuff out for people and take on people's problems and fix this and fix that and do this and do that um, and people please and, and get this job done, then, you know, what was the point? I, I'm falling behind and, you know, I'm not worthy essentially. And this guy said, oh, no, 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 no. It was like, no, rest and recovery is going to be the thing that allows you to do even more of that. And I was like, nah, no way. Like, there's no way I'm just giving myself a full day off a week. Because at this point, Owen and I, we were both working like seven days a week around the clock, like no joke. And that's not advice I would give somebody. And this guy said, no, you, that needs to stop. You need to go, and, and he made me get my calendar out. He, I, I got my Google calendar out. And he said, every free day that you see in the next like six months, block it. It was like block it out, you know, around a weekend. And so I did. I went through and blocked out every Sunday and Monday that I had free uh, as provisional rest and recovery time. And at the start, you know, I was giving myself like Sunday and Monday rest and recovery time. Like I'd do a bit of work up until about 10 a.m. And then from like 10 a.m. to like 5 p.m. or 4 p.m., whatever it was, uh, was rest and recovery time. So I did not do work. I did not think about work. I did not think about solving people's problems. I did things for me. Uh, whether that was go for a walk, whether that was, you know, uh, go in the float tank, whether that was, whatever it was, sit in the grass, go hang out in the sun, wh whatever that was, uh, read, meditate, get on the Shakti mat, uh, cold plunge, breath work, you know, that, uh, I really just amped all of that back up again, doing yoga, um, that yeah that's where it started and I needed like to do that two days a week and then I was like I'm yeah I'm getting the hang of this this is good and then I pulled it back to one day a week and now it's just a staple in my life like I do not feel guilty about taking time off at all anymore because what I've realized is wow it makes me so much more productive um I can do more of what I want to do at a higher level um you know and I'm filling my own cup first uh I'm filling my cup up so much that I have so much more to give to other people at a higher level and of higher value. Um, and again, you know, what's my mission? What's my purpose for my life to build and inspire lives? And I want to do that at the highest level. And again, get back to one of my other points. I have a responsibility in how I show up. And if I'm showing up tired, burnt out, only 50%, you know, I'm short, I'm snappy. I'm not holding a safe space. Um, you know, that's, that's not good. That doesn't align with my, my values. So rest and recovery, um, was, it's been huge this year and, you know, getting over that fear of like feeling bad about it. 
has, has been absolutely paramount. And that that relates all the way back to, you know, trauma pattern that I had to trace back to as a kid. And I won't go into that because I've probably spoken about it in um, previous podcasts. But, you know, it's about getting deep to those points and just finding out where those that fear comes from and uh, doing a bit of shadow work, doing a bit of story work and, and, and digging that out and, and uh, you know, Re, uh, reframing your relationship with those moments and those those fears stuck in your nervous system. And for those people that follow me, you know, you might have uh, seen Owen and I, we've taken our rest and recovery to a new level. We've uh, jumped on the whoop wagon. So we have these whoop bands now, which are absolutely incredible. And uh, I'm finding out and learning even more things about my rest and recovery and uh, you know really fine-tuning my practices even further to elevate and put me into peak states of recovery and uh, it's just been incredible like the last kind of three months that we've had these uh, yeah we, we've noticed massive differences in our, our output purely from you know, really fine-tuning uh, our rest and our nutrition and all those kinds of things to really push our recovery through the roof. So that is the power of rest and recovery. Don't feel bad about taking days off. Don't feel bad about uh, sitting on your butt every now and then. So this next point is a really quick one. You know, it's it's, it's relating to like everything that I've been talking about here. Um, there's a line I just had written down and it says, you know, these are all lessons from the dark. And I heard it from David Goggins, you know, he he says, because a lot of people think he's mental, right? He he, he, does, he runs like 200 miles and does these crazy runs and things. And, you know, he truly is on a road of self-discovery. He just wants to discover his mind to the fullest. And I love that about him. And, and I really like to sit in those places as well. But one of the issues with those places is that it's generally like, in the darkness um and you know he says i'm a master of the dark and like i said at the beginning of this this podcast you know uh, a lot of the time the lessons that we learn about ourselves are in the darkness so you know learn to love that too you know I, there, there was not, not not everything can be all glitz and glam and light and happy and and all that kind of stuff there's things to learn in the dark so don't be afraid to go there um get support if you have to and uh yeah you know a lot of the lessons are learned in the dark and uh what the, the trick is to bring light to those dark times and those dark places of yourself um and you can only do that if you go and find it. You can only bring light to those things that you find in the dark, if you go and find them. Um, if you don't, then, you know, they might always stay there. So don't be afraid to go there every now and again. A lot of lessons come from that place, um, but just have frameworks and ways to shine light on it, shine light on it and pull yourself right back out the other side. Okay, th this one kind of relates to the last point is like the, the talking about being in the dark and, and, and this one is more about shadow work and ego work. Um, something that Kerwin Ray said on stage, which really, I remember crying at a Nissi event at, uh, about this point and you know, I just had tears rolling down my face and you know, it even makes me emotional thinking about it now because I never, had really heard anyone talk about it like this and it really hit me and he spoke about 
you know, he he wasn't great at making friends. He didn't have a lot of friends. And I me- I've mentioned this in a previous podcast. I think it was in the last solo cast that I did. And uh, I don't think I'm great at making friends, or at least I wasn't in, in the last five years, in my adult years. I was fantastic at it as a kid because I was a bit of a chameleon. You know, I, I, could, I could blend with all sorts of people and whatever else. Um, and I had a lot of friends as a kid. Um, but in my adult years, you know, I've moved to Australia and you, 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 you know, all of your friend group drops away and you have to make new friends. And what I really learned about myself or what I thought about myself was I wasn't very good at making new friends. And Kerwin said the same thing. He said, I'm not very good at making friends. I don't let people get close to me. I don't like people getting close to me. And, and what he learned through some shadow work, which what hit me smack bang in the middle of the eyes was he said, it's like this. He said, the reason I don't like people or I don't let people get close to me is because I am afraid of them seeing my shadow side, my dark side, the things that I don't like about myself or the things that they might not like about me. And he gave a great analogy. He said, it's like having a a trophy on the shelf. And he said, you only polish the front of it and that's the only side you let people see. You only let people see the shiny side of the the trophy because when you turn it around, it's all dusty and dirty on the back and it's been like that for years and that's all the crap that you don't want to see. You don't want to show people that. You only show people the nice shiny outside veneer and uh, that transpires as the people pleaser, the high achiever, uh, you know, all of those things. I think it came in a combination of the learnings from Melissa Maskey as well, learning that one of my primary fears is not having a place in this world and not fitting in. Well, of course, I'm only going to show the shiny side of the trophy. Of course, that's what makes me fit in. If I'm a high achiever, if I'm winning awards, if I'm really good at what I do, if I'm people pleasing, if I'm making people happy all the time, at all costs, of course, of course, I'm going to fit in. Of course, it's going to be better to my fears, to my unhealed self. And yeah, I just had tears running down my face. I was like, no one has ever put it that way, ever. And in that moment, I realized that's exactly what I do. That's exactly why I found it hard for people to get close to me in my adult life. Um, I'm still working on it now, um, but that is a profound lesson throughout 2022, is to turn that trophy around and polish the back of it. Do the shadow work. Don't be afraid to let people see your dark side because, again, like one of the points that I said, it's not my responsibility to save everybody. I'm not responsible for how people experience this world. You know, for something I say, something I do, or whatever that they don't like, or that gets their back up, then you know what? I don't mean it, and I'm, I'm not trying to go about this world to hurt people and make people feel bad. Um, and And... and you know, it's crazy for people to assume that. And and that's really helped me. And hopefully that will then help me to allow people to get closer to me. And I can build a better friend network and a better network of people around me. Um, But it is funny. You know, that ties back to judgment, right? Like a safe space, you know, as I explained earlier, you know, it's rare that I ever felt emotionally safe around people. Now I know how to not let that get to me. Um, and that's 
what's allowing me to allow people to be closer to me. Um, but yeah, the moment I feel like judgment, that's it. I just stand at arm's reach and then that, that's as far as uh, people get. So yeah, it all comes back around in a circle, doesn't it? And it's funny, like even now my ego is fighting it. It's fighting it because I'm forgetting pieces now. Even as I'm talking to you right now, my ego is like, it's fighting that. And it's, that's a deep, that's a deep, deep thing stuck in my ego self is that not allowing people to see my shadow self um, because there was more I wanted to say on that point, but my mind's blocked it. So that's where that one's going to end, guys. Um, yeah. Work on your shadow self, understand it. And uh, if you have trouble keeping friends, that could be why. This next point is doing work on my money story, um, doing and my cognitive biases. So I've understood for a long time that each human, and uh, depending on where you are in the world, you know, you'll, you'll have a set of cognitive biases. And, you know, Charlie Munger, um, he's Warren Buffett's right-hand man. He's got a book called Poor Charlie's Almanac, and uh, it's about cognitive biases and the 25 cognitive biases that he's recognized in humans in the Western world. And uh, it's fantastic. I, I read it years ago, and it's really, really, really good. And it's the biases that you carry with you. They're survival mechanisms, essentially. Uh, you know, one off the top of my head is like, what's good for me is good for you. So your brain will have a bias of like, what keeps me safe is what keeps you safe. And if you don't do what I do, then I've got something to say about that. And uh, that's, it's, it's just amazing just to have the awareness around that and just to let that go. Um, and moving on from that was like, I did some work on that and then that started to lead into the bias around my money story. And what do I mean by that? Well, funnily enough, you know, one of my passions is money. And I think I've worked out why one of my passions is money and why I have a fear of not having enough. And I, I you know, not, yeah, basically just having a lack of, because it's a survival mechanism. And where did it come from? It was the, how I got taught about money uh, and the conversations around finance and money and the conversations and lessons around it were always from a place of lack. We don't have enough. Oh, that's expensive. Oh, money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, all those things, you know, and we've all heard that. Um, but that was just the strong kind of tone of those conversations throughout my developmental years. And again, not no judgment. It's not a judgment or blame. It's just an observation. Again, I understand that that was a generational a generational pass down, that's fine. Um, but I've noticed that and that's where that story stops with me. Um, so I have had to re-evaluate my relationship with money, what I think it is. And how that happened was, again, we were in uh, like a business planning and uh, kind of facilitation day. And we were thrown around some figures and some of the figures got quite big. And something happened in my nervous system. My nervous system just shut off, much like my ego tried to cut out one of those previous points. It did that for me and I just blanked out for a moment and I went somewhere else in the room and I was having like flashbacks of like conversations and in that moment I remembered. It all made sense. I was like, of course, of course I think about money this way. Um, those were the conversations and those were the stories that I was fed in my developmental years from a place of lack. And, and uh, you know, again, that's not blame. That's not a, a thing of pity or 
anything like that or judgment. It's just observation and that's what was just passed down and that's absolutely fine. And I'm so grateful for those lessons because I've realized them now. Thankfully, in my, you know, quote unquote, younger years. Um, and I can I can stop it and change it. And for anybody who comes after me, anybody come, I come into contact with or, you know, when I have kids eventually and I have a family of my own, uh, I can change that story for them. In a, change it from a story of lack to a story of abundance. And that has helped me massively step into the power, step into the responsibility and the visibility of who I want to be as a human, um, you know, and as, as a you know, person in a place of leadership, for a lack of a better word. Um, and yeah, I think that's just a really beneficial thing for me to be able to do is, is work from a place of abundance. All right, so this next, all right, so we're almost at the end, guys. We've only got a couple of, uh... all right, so we're almost at the end, guys. We're almost at the end, guys, so I won't keep you too much longer. We've only got a couple of points left. Uh, this next one is you know, having the awareness around uh, nervous system, you know, upper and lower limits of your stress capabilities and feeling into the body and what your body is trying to tell you when emotions arise. Now, this isn't necessarily an easy thing to do, um, but with a little bit of practice and aware de development around awareness, um, it's very, very powerful. And one of my all-time recommendations, if you want to develop your awareness around everything in life, uh, not just like about what you're doing, but how you actually feel, is to meditate. Now, that might sound a bit hippie, a bit woo-woo, but um, meditation has changed my life in terms of my awareness and how to have a single point of focus on anything. So what do I mean by paying attention to that? Well, you know, anytime an emotion arises, especially if it's a negative one, it, and the same for happy ones, but probably especially for negative ones, um, they they come from the nervous system, right? So they've got trapped in the nervous system at some point in your life a lot of it's from your developmental years you know i learned a lot of this through dr gabo mate's work he talks about you know the ages of like zero to five that those developmental psychological psychological years your brain and your nervous system is working out ways to survive so it's like it's just making all these connections to like you know things that were good things that were bad the things that made you of value made things that made you feel love loved things that made you feel not so loved and not so value and your nervous system builds up almost like a, a record of like all of these things and it's really amazing at where in the body that you can feel these emotions and you can feel these patterns coming up and it does take awareness to do that and the awareness comes in catching yourself in the moment of an emotion. So for me, say something comes up about money or whatever, and I don't feel particularly uh, safe, safe about it or joyous about it or happy about it. I'm like, hmm, okay, let me just stop there. This, this is awareness. Uh, let me just stop there and feel into the body. Where is it? Is it in the chest? Is it in the belly? Is it, is it in my head? Is it in my throat? Is it in both? Is it in two places? Is it in my belly and my head? Is it in my throat and my chest? Like where, where is it? And then I can really feel into that and think, hmm, what is that? 
what's there and then is there a story behind it what am i really feeling and and you know oh okay i feel a little bit uneasy around that okay can i think back to a time or a moment in my life where i felt like that before and okay you think back to that and okay is there a time before that and before that and before that and you can eventually find it and this is if you want to kind of help to clear these uh patterns and you can eventually find it and uh, what I do is, is this is a bit of shadow work as well and a bit of story work and find that point and, and ask yourself, okay, that happened. Is it true? And if it's a yes, if it is true, then you need to find a way to de cope with it. And, and that's not always easy. Um, and again, you can go deeper into the, the, the points of like, is that, is it beneficial to let it take over you is it beneficial to let it get the better of you you could go into all these things but it's oftentimes the answer to that story is is this true no oftentimes it's a no so then what you can do is you can start to redevelop your relationship with that story bring it back up through wherever you felt it through the nervous system back to the the logical mind back to the conscious mind and you can bring it back into this new relationship with this thought and feeling and you're like well that's really interesting there it is and you've just developed this whole circle of awareness around what that feeling is where it's come from whether it's true or not and you can redevelop this relationship with that feeling around the certain thing so like my thing with money it's like if that feeling of <gasps> fear comes around like lack of that I'm not going to have enough, I go, hmm, okay, where is it? Oh, it's up in my chest. It's in my belly. Oh, it's making me feel sick. Oh, okay, uh, where is that? Okay, is there a story around that? Hmm, all right. Well, when I was younger, maybe there were stories or lessons around money doesn't grow on trees. Oh, that's expensive. Oh, you, that blah, 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 blah. We're not made of money, whatever, whatever the story might be. And whoever that came from, hmm, okay. Is, are those, most of those stories true? Uh, not really it's not very helpful to believe that they're true either so what i can come back through ah well that's not really true so i'm going to choose now to be moved from a place of abundance and that's really really powerful and even if you don't want to do that even if you know that's not viable in the moment at least you can still catch yourself and if it keeps coming up have the awareness around Wow, every time I think about that, that feeling comes up. I get tight in the chest. That's something I need to think about or work on. Or you know, go, see, go get help. Go see a therapist. Go see somebody about it. And then maybe they can help you unpack it. Go see Melissa Maskey. She can help you unpack it. Uh, there's so many people, therapists and healers out there that can help you unpack these things. But it starts with the awareness around the emotion and then the emotion where is it in the body locate it in the body and you can start to connect these patterns and you'll be amazed at the benefits that has in your life for me like i do it with every emotion now and you know it's made me just let go and free so many of the thoughts and the biases and the fears inadequacies inadequacies insecurities that i've ever had about myself and about my life and uh it's just such a free place to be you know things about image things about money things about whatever i'm just like great a lot of those stories aren't true my friends and uh 
you know, what that does is it frees up energy in my mind and my body and my nervous system. You know, number one, I'm happier. Number two, I'm healthier. Number three, I've got more energy to be of value to the people around me. And again, I think that only makes the world a better place. All right, so you'll be glad to know that this is the last one. So if anyone's been keeping count, this is actually only 0.19. There's not gonna be 20, I'm so sorry. As I was going through my list, I realized that I put the same one twice. So 19, and you know what? An old me would have got caught up in perfectionism and people pleasing and been like, I have to come up with a 20th point, but I'm not gonna, it's fine. I'm gonna get out of my own way. I'm not gonna get stuck procrastinating. I'm not gonna get stuck in analysis paralysis. I'm not gonna get stuck in people pleasing. We've got 19 points and that's it. Some people will be like, yeah, but you said there was gonna be 20, now you're only giving us 19. Yeah, at the start, in my heart, I believed that I was gonna give you 20 points of value, but I was wrong and it's okay for me to be wrong. So I'm okay with it, it's fine. Now, this last point, it's a heavy one for me. It's funny that it's last on the list. Um, it's family and, you know, the importance of your family. Um, you know, I've been in Australia for 12 years. Uh, I think for the first probably eight of those years, I, not gonna say I didn't value my family. That's, that's, that's a ridiculous thing. I've always loved my family. I probably just didn't put enough importance on the value of family. And what I've realized, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm gonna extend that a bit. I'm gonna extend it to family and friends because, you know, family and friends, especially some of the friends that you make earlier on in your life, they are responsible for, partly responsible for who you are. They make a part of you. And yeah, they, they, they are just, they're such a, a, a prime part of you and your life. And for me, you know, I didn't realize that for the longest time, or I didn't put enough value and importance on that for the longest time. And, you know, without that, the world can be quite a lonely place. You know, I think if you're going through life and you don't have those people around you that truly understand you and just get you, then the world can be quite a difficult place to be in. And I think I, ha I have this opinion, and again, this is just my opinion, this, this doesn't go for everybody, because of, yeah, moving to the complete opposite side of the world and having to start those relationships and connections again. And what I've realized in my adult life is like, it's hard to find those connections again. You know, by the time you're like 21, it's quite hard to change like who you are because a lot of your developmental stages and years are behind you. Yes, you can con consciously change those things. Um, no, it's a lot harder to do. And you know, that's the work that I uh, am deep in these days. I consciously try to work on certain things about myself and about my life. Um, 
and yeah like it's just so I don't quite know how to explain it fully but there's something so calming something so warming and something so safe about being around your family and being around your friends um, and yeah just being in contact being in touch appreciating them telling them that you love them um, you know because before long and everybody thinks it's not going to happen to them but you get dealt some bad news and you know this year I got dealt some bad news um, something that I'm not going to dive into right now because you know there's still more of the story that is yet to come um, but it definitely catapulted me into prioritizing family and friends again and those connections because you know oftentimes for me they're some of the strongest bonds and strongest connections that you'll ever find in life now I know that's not everybody I know not everybody gets along with our family I get that and you know um, I feel that I, I definitely feel that and, but for me you know I appreciate my family. I've got a lot of time, a lot of love for my family and and my friends and, you know, telling them that and having the awareness and just openly and freely telling them and expressing that gratitude to them um, is so powerful because you just never know. You never know uh, when it's too late and, you know, tomorrow is not guaranteed. And that was a huge lesson from 2022. Um, a big confirmation moment for me that that is a great thing to focus on is family and friends. So, yeah, look, that ended on a bit of a heavy one, didn't it? I don't really need to go too much deeper into that one. Just, yeah, be there, support. The bond of a family, the bond of close friends, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to rival, you know, as, as humans, we are wired for connection, we're conditioned, we're conditioned for connection, and because connection uh, adds to a part of our survival, um, you know, I, I think initially, in, in, in hunter-gatherer times, in early human times, we would have relied on people, you know, we would have relied on connections, we, you can, you, it's impossible to do this life on your own in those types those types of that type of world like if you're a hunter gatherer it's impossible to do it on your own uh it, it really is you do rely on people and i think that's a, a deep deep ancestral wiring for connection that we have and and those bonds um and for me you know it's definitely brought more joy to my life it's definitely made me uh happier and realize that you know joy and happiness and connection is sometimes right beneath your nose like it's right there in front of you and uh you know i think that maybe that's one of the interesting things of our time is is we are so connected or at least we think we're so connected with hundreds thousands if not millions of people around the world through the internet and social media yet we find ourselves you know on, on the general consensus more alone than we ever have been um, and that gets back to maybe that's 
not a good thing. You know, maybe uh, are, are we supposed to be that connected? Are we supposed to have access to Joe Blogs, who's the other side of the world? You know, do, should we be concentrating on our own backyard, start with our immediate environment, start with our family and our immediate friends and nurture those people and really uh, pay attention to those people instead of trying to find joy and connection elsewhere? You know, is it where we are? Start where you are, um, start in your own backyard. And, and that's a massive lesson for me in, uh, in 2022 is, is start in your own backyard because oftentimes connection and bonds and love is, is right beneath your nose. Um, so, yeah. If there's anything you do today or this week, call up a loved one, text them, email them, and tell them that you appreciate them, tell, that you, tell them that you value them, and tell them that you love them. All right, guys, that was my 19 lessons, not 20, uh, from 2022. My biggest lessons and learnings and takeaways from 2022, the things that I implemented, the things that have helped me the most, and the things that I believe I could bring value to you guys, and hopefully that can help you the most. Um, stay tuned because Owen is going to be doing one of these podcasts as well of his biggest learnings and lessons from 2022. And, uh, you know, before you know it, we'll be back together on our regular schedule, uh, putting the world to right and talking about our opinions, our life lessons and the value that we can bring to you in this modern world. So as always, if you enjoyed this video, please like, subscribe and comment. You know, if there's anything that you resonated with and there's anything that you're going to take through with you in your life, or if there's any way that you think I can develop my outlook and opinions on these things, please let's start talking about these things. Open up a chat, comment, whatever you need to do. Um, we're always open to feedback and because uh, it only makes these topics better, these conversations better and the content that we can deliver better for you guys. Thanks for watching. This is just the beginning of another fantastic year. So I hope that this year is a powerful one for you. I hope it's filled with love, connection, and progress. Keep an eye on our social media pages for everything that we're getting up to. You can find us on Instagram, at Area Academy, at The Network Podcast, at Lee Windsor, and at Owen McCarthy Hair. We're always available, so feel free to send us a message at any time if you want to chat about anything or get involved with any of our courses, coaching, or mentorship. Thanks again. And I'll see you in the next episode.